Coming up on Put It on the Board, it is episode 19, and it is trade deadline season. We've kind of started to preview the White Sox trade deadline in previous episodes, but it is a week away. We are officially on Hug Watch, officially all the way into our trade deadline preview. And in this episode, Noah and I go through some trades, some trade ideas, and we play a game of who says no, looking ahead at what White Sox will be here eight days from now when the Major League Baseball trade deadline has come and gone, and uh, what new faces we might start to see on the South Side in the near future. So uh, this is a busy, busy time, and frankly, a huge time in White Sox history as they look to retool this thing and get the competitive window back open as quickly as possible. We preview it all coming up. Let's put some crooked numbers up on that board. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Yeah. This is episode 19 of the Put It on the Board podcast. It's Monday, July 24th, 2023. Noah, uh, we're recording this on Monday night, July 24th. Like I said, we're just about one week away from the MLB trade deadline as you and I sit here and talk right now. The White Sox yet to make a move. Lucas Giolito started against the New York Mets this past weekend, potentially his last start on the south side. But there's a lot coming here in the next week. Uh, And so today we've got to talk trade deadline because you don't really know Who's going to be here a week from now? We record every weekend-ish, and by the time we talk next and sit down and uh, you know record a podcast, we could be having a completely different-looking White Sox team. Yeah, we kind of talked about it last week. Um, the reason that we started to do a little bit of deadline preview on last week's episode is because you know we didn't know it. It could start at any time. The trades could have started and. Um, it was it was kind of interesting, the White Sox pushing Giolito back to, I believe, the fourth or fifth game after the All-Star break. Some were speculating that it might have been uh, them trying to move quickly on a trade, but he did start against the Mets. He did start on Sunday against the Twins. So, so far, nothing yet on that front or on any trade front, but um, time's running out. We've got uh, eight days left from today, so... Um, these theoretical moves that we're talking about are going to be happening soon. Yeah, I guess I mixed those two starts up. He did start against the uh, the Twins this past weekend, and thank goodness for that start because the Mets start was like every White Sox fan's nightmare. Lucas Giolito just getting shelled, and it's like, oh, of course, you're having a great season. It's right at the time that we're supposed to deal you and hopefully get a top 100 prospect or two in the meantime. And now he's starting to get rocked and it's like you just see the trade value plummeting or see the uh, the White Sox leverage starting to go down. But a a nice rebound against the Twins to hopefully, you know, put some more confidence into these contending teams that he can be that guy moving forward. Yeah, it was good to see. Uh, It wasn't an easy start by any means. I did uh, watch part of the game. I'm not sure why I'm still watching. Uh, I think. I think I just wanted to watch Giolito pitch one more time for the White Sox, knowing that it was there's a good chance it's the last time. So 
I did have the game on for a while. Uh, I did leave before the ninth inning meltdown, so I did not have to watch that. So as far as I'm concerned, they won that game three, nothing. Um, and Giolito <laughs> did five scoreless innings. So, I mean, it's kind of weird how quickly this has come up on us here. Like, like not just this season, but it, you know, obviously the window as a whole, this core as a whole, uh, I, I've been kind of numb to it as a Sox fan for the last few months in terms of like not watching as many games, like you said, just especially not watching games live. I'll go back and watch highlights. I'll go back and, and take a look at what happened and, and make sure I'm following the team and the players. But I don't sit down and, and use my time every night watching the White Sox like I used to. But I think being unplugged has really made this thing snowball and get up on me really fast because it does not feel like, uh, like I don't think it's set in yet that we could be watching Lucas Giolito in another team's uniform in a few days. Like he might not pitch another game for the White Sox. And the same thing goes for a number of very impactful players. Like, I mean, Tim Anderson has been the face of this franchise for the last like few years, really for this window, Tim Anderson was the face of the franchise. He's going to be in another team's uniform, but maybe uh, like there's a chance Dylan Cease is in another team's uniform. Like we don't know to what extent the White Sox are going to sell, but it's weird to think about this all coming to an end officially and the White Sox no longer being viewed as a quote-unquote talented team that could contend. Yeah, it's really weird, but that is I mean, where one, we're at. Because once they make these trades, like they're viewed at the bottom of the American League again, which is where they are in the standings, and you are what your record says you are. But any conversation about the White Sox this season has been, can they figure it out? Can they figure it out? They're supposed to be better. Well, now it's just going to be the White Sox are bad and there's zero expectations. And that's a very odd thing to like be reality. Yeah, it's something we kind of dealt with during the rebuild where the White Sox just weren't really relevant. Um, And it's going to be interesting because, I mean, I know we've talked about this a lot before, but I don't think either one of us really think that they're going to go that full rebuild route again. So the fact that we're talking about the 2020, 23 White Sox as one of the worst teams in the American League. If you look at that objectively, it's like, yeah, that that's not good. But we're also looking at the 2024 White Sox thinking, okay, how do we get this team to compete for this division and compete for this World Series? So that's why in a lot of ways, I think this deadline is more complicated than just sell all your, all your expiring contracts. Because I think going into the deadline and going into the off season with the idea that we're trying to win the division next season is going to affect Rick Hahn and the front office's attitude towards a lot of these trades. Yeah. That's what makes all of these trades really interesting to me because I, you know, and we will see this as you and I both uncover what we cooked up as general putting our GM caps on, but like I found myself looking at 
you know, estimated time of arrival to the major leagues and and trying to find prospects that I thought could be quicker risers. And and that's not really what the Sox did their first time around. Like there was a couple pieces like Yohan Moncada already had MLB time. So did, you know, Lucas Giolito. And and I think Reynaldo Lopez had time in Washington as well. But, you know, when they traded for Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech and some of these other pieces, there was an understanding that it was going to be two or three years before they developed into, you know, solid MLB players. And so they uh, were able to maximize value, I think, going a little bit younger, a little bit farther away. But it becomes a it adds another wrinkle into these negotiations. If you're talking to a contending team about acquiring a prospect, but it's a prospect that's performing really well and has either MLB experience or is on the cusp of MLB ready. How inclined is that contending team to give that player away? Like they might view that guy as somebody that can help them. And so that's something that I think I struggle with looking at potential deals is I'm like, oh, that guy's really intriguing. But then I go, why would a playoff team give away somebody who's starting in their rotation right now? And, you know, you can keep going down the line asking yourself that question. So it'll be interesting to see as Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams start to unload these pieces, what they prioritize more. Is it, you know, the caliber of prospect or the timeliness of the prospect and how quickly they can help the big league club? Yeah, finding a balance is tough, uh, and it's especially tough given what the White Sox have to trade, because, if you're sitting here saying Luis Roberts not available, Dylan Cease is not available, those are your two most valuable players on your team right now. Those are the two players that will get you those top prospects in return. Now we're sitting here saying, okay, Lucas Giolito's good, but what is it, eight starts of him? Lance Lynn has been good in the past, but he's not having a good season. And Tim Anderson, same thing, has been good in the past, not having a good season. So with all of these guys outside of Luis Robert and outside of Dylan Cease, there's a catch. You know, there's there's some negative thing that would cause another team to maybe say, well, we're not giving you this top prospect for this guy. So it really puts Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and everyone else in that front office making the decisions in a, a bit of a bind because – the guys that are going to give you those close to major league ready good players are not guys that you're willing to give up. So they're going to have to be a little bit creative here. And I'm really, really curious to see what ends up happening. You and I went through last week. Uh, we talked which guys we felt like were going to get moved, who we felt like was not. Um, and so then this week, we're going to expand a little bit. We are going to officially, like I said, put the general manager hat on. Propose trades. We'll we'll both propose trades, and we're going to play a game that I'm going to call Who Says No? You see it on Twitter all the time. Here's a deal. Who says no to this? The White Sox, the so-and-sos, or is it a trade? Uh, And we're just going to go back and forth. It's very interesting to me because I think a lot of the White Sox trade chips, I don't really know what their value is. Like I, I have a really hard time judging this, and so I'm interested in hearing what you put together compared to what I put together and what we both think of each other's deals. Uh, we can go one at a time through who we think will get dealt, what we think could be the compensation. And then I've got a few topics to talk about at the end about some rumors that are going around, whether or not we believe them or not. 
So I will start, and I will start with the guy that we all know the White Sox are going to trade. It's Lucas Giolito. Uh, everybody knows he will be gone a week from now, as sad as that is. They're not going to sign him to an extension like this. He's just going to be dealt. Um, I think the question is to who and with who, because I do believe Giolito is going to be part of a package, and I've seen a couple of them floated out there. But I will send Lucas Giolito with Reynaldo Lopez to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So two expiring contracts to the Dodgers for right-handed pitcher Michael Grove, uh, a guy who recently graduated from the prospect list. He's got a 640 ERA in the major leagues, but uh, in nine starts this year. Um, So he's had some struggles, but he is big league ready and was a, a highly thought of prospect before that. Number three prospect in their system, Dalton Rushing, a catcher who could be ready as early as 2024, 2025, tearing up high A ball right now. Uh, he would be the White Sox future at the catcher position. And then I think they need a pitcher. I go left-handed. I go at number 15 in the system, Maddox Bruns. Uh, the lefty who's also at high A, he's got a 292 and 18 starts, really his first good season of pro ball, the first round pick from LA in 2021. So rushing Bruns and Grove to the White Sox for Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. Noah, who says no? I think that's a pretty fair trade. Um, if anyone's going to say no, I think it's the Dodgers. I do. Th- I do like that. The Dalton rushing, I do like him as a player to target. I think the White Sox don't really have a future at catcher. The Dodgers obviously have Will Smith, who's good, and their number one prospect is also a catcher. So uh, if there's any if there's any team that can spare an extra catching prospect, it is the Dodgers. I think that's definitely a potential target. I think Michael Grove is exactly the type of arm that the White Sox should target. He he, like you said, struggles so far in the majors this year, but he's there. I mean, he's 20, 24 years old, 23 have, years old, something like that. I mean, like they have that. a couple of those guys. They have Emmett Sheehan. They have Ryan yep. Tepio. They have Michael Grove. Like, they have guys who are MLB ready with the MLB experience. So uh, if you're doing this hypothetical that I'm doing, which is the White Sox are trading Lucas Giolito but trying to fill out a rotation in 2024 – I think the Dodgers are a really logical trade partner for the Sox. They're one of a couple teams that I think has a surplus of MLB-ready young pitchers that they can spare. So that's why I like them as a partner. Um, Of those three, do you have a preference? If it was Sheehan, Pepio, or Grove, like, do you have a preference? Gavin Stone's another guy that, you know, has also appeared in the big leagues, but has had a rough year this year. He's weird. So I will answer that question in just a little bit uh, because actually uh, one of my trades does involve Lucas Giolito going to the Dodgers as well. So I will go ahead and share that one first. But all that to say, I agree with you. Uh, I do think the Dodgers are a good matchup with the White Sox, especially for Lucas Giolito um, because one, he's a Los Angeles native. The fit makes sense. Two, um, they do have catching prospects. They do have major league ready or close to pitching prospects. Both areas, I think the White Sox should be targeting uh, in some of these trades. So I think the fit makes almost I've too seen, much sense. Yeah, like I've seen so many Lucas Giolito packages elsewhere. 
And I just have a hard time seeing him going anywhere but L.A. Like he just he feels like a Dodger being the California kid uh, as much as he has loved that. He loved the Dodgers growing up, you know, sending him home would be a service to Giolito. And I think they are a great, great match for the MLB ready talent. It like, yeah, I, I just it would be weird if he goes anywhere else to me. But uh, I'll let you kind of take over with. You say you have a Lucas Giolito Dodgers proposal as well. I do. Uh, I actually have two Lucas Giolito trades here. Um, We can start with the Dodgers one, but these are uh, a couple of ideas that I had. I wanted to think of one that was not the Dodgers as the traditional fit. I I wanted to think of another potential fit for Giolito. So um, the Dodgers one, full disclosure, I I didn't completely come up with this on my own. It was inspired by... uh, a report from an insider in an article that he wrote a few days ago. It was just speculation on his end, but I did base my trade off of that. So I have Lucas Giolito, Kendall Graveman, and Tim Anderson all to the Dodgers. In return, the White Sox receive uh, Dalton Rushing, Dodgers number three prospect, uh, right-handed pitcher Gavin Stone, the Dodgers number four prospect, and uh, infielder Jorbit Vivas, the number 12 prospect for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He, uh, if you don't know anything about him, 22-year-old second baseman primarily. He's in AAA right now. He's drawn a lot of comparisons to Luis Arise of the Marlins with his bat on ball skills. Uh, he makes a ton of contact, doesn't strike out. There were some questions about his power coming into the season, but he does have 10 home runs this year uh, in Tulsa for the Dodgers. So, He has hit for a little bit more power this year than in the past, but I mean, same kind of reasoning, uh, rushing, of course, future, uh, at catcher for the White Sox, I believe. And Gavin Stone, uh, another starting pitcher who's kind of been up and down, uh, between the majors and AAA for the Dodgers, but a similar caliber pitcher to Michael Grove. Um, I think the Dodgers might be more inclined to include him, uh, with a guy like Graveman who has one more year of control. Uh, and a guy like Anderson, who they can also get another year of control on. So what do you think? Who says no? I will say the White Sox say no. And they circle back and potentially say yes if they can't find more elsewhere. Uh, It's a good package. I'd be happy. I'd be pumped about it. Like, I, I think Vivas is a guy that, you know, you could potentially, I mean, he'll be 23 on opening day. He's having a great year in double A there is potential for him to be a, a your second baseman next year or a guy that you rotate in on the infield next year. Gavin Stone is a major league arm right now, even if he's had a tough 2023. And then you get your future at catcher and Dalton rushing. So that all makes sense. I just feel like Lucas Giolito is going to get you a, a, a Dalton rushing type of player by himself. I think uh, like, I think he's going to get you a top 100 Kendall Graveman having two years of control, I think, is really valuable. And and as Tim Anderson has begun to raise his trade value, I just don't know if it's enough. I think if you're Rick Hahn, you might think putting Kendall Graveman elsewhere in a separate deal might be able to get you more and trading Giolito with a a different reliever or by himself with Graveman going elsewhere. I don't know. That's, uh, That's tough. So tentatively, the White Sox say no, but I don't think it's a I don't think it's a bad deal. Yeah, it, maybe it's not an immediate no, but it's a that's an intriguing offer. Let me consider it. 
and then Han will see what he can get elsewhere. And if he's not liking what he's got elsewhere, then he comes back. Uh, yeah, says, I think right, it depends it. on the the market for Kendall Graveman individually. Uh, I think he's really the X factor because unlike some of these other guys that we're talking about, the White Sox do not need to move Kendall Graveman. Uh, him being with Liam Hendricks in the back end of that bullpen next season, both of them having another year of control, I think is something that, helps Rick Hahn have a vision for how the team can contend. You have the back end of the bullpen taken care of already. So if he is going to move Kendall Graveman, I think it's because he gets a nice offer for Kendall Graveman. And if he's getting that, it, is it more valuable to send him somewhere by himself? I think so. But, you know, I, again, it's hard. I, I don't know what the market for a guy like that is right now. So if you'd like, I can go ahead and do my other Lucas Giolito trade. Yeah. Fire away. So the other trade that I had, um, I was trying to think of another potential fit. And another team that I think is looking for pitching, they may prefer controllable pitching, but uh, the Orioles come to mind. Um, they've got a lot of guys who are having good years in their pitching staff, but some of them are getting near their career high in innings. Uh, and the Orioles are in first place right now. So they're definitely going to be looking to uh, make a run here in the playoffs. So um, I have Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez in this trade together going to the Baltimore Orioles for infielder Kobe Mayo, who is the Orioles. Uh, let's see here. He is Seven. their number seven prospect, a third baseman. He is top 100, though. Um, also in this trade would be left-hander D.L. Hall, the ninth ranked prospect for the Orioles, as well as catcher Silas Arduin, who is number 29 for the Orioles. Uh, he's down in a ball in high A. So that was a package I had in mind for uh, Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, obviously both expiring at the end of the year, but a boost to an Orioles pitching staff, um, which they hope could put them over the top. So who says no? Hmm. Um, this, I think if this is the offer from Baltimore, Rick Hahn circles back and takes the Dodgers offer. Uh, it's, it's hard though. Like what is, what is the demand for Reynaldo Lopez? I think the White Sox say no to this one. I don't think, I mean, do you think Kobe Mayo is enough of a headliner to get Lucas Giolito? I guess he's going to fly up the top 100. I mean, he's having a great year. So I'd be interested in seeing where he comes in at, in the mid season. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, Kobe Mayo, some of the names that are ahead of him on the Orioles list, I question a little bit, but uh, currently in AAA, he is hitting 298 with 18 home runs and a 990 OPS for Norfolk this year. So he's having a really, really good year down yeah. there in AAA. Oh, you know um, what? Maybe this is. I think he is going to be one of the fast or the the quick risers uh, when the midseason rankings come out. You know, you know what? I think this is a deal. I do think this is a deal because looking at what he's done this year, and he's at 74 overall uh in the MLB pipeline right now so where's he going to be mid-season you know when you update and account for his big year uh this season he plays third base 6'5 230 the White Sox loves size he walks a ton uh and like you said uh, a guy who you know is now 21 years old but could be up as as soon as next year if you view him as another centerpiece that you can plug and play on the left side of your infield at third base next year, I think this is a deal that you do if you're the White Sox. 
my condition here would be this leads to other trades because I don't think you trade for Kobe Mayo keeping other guys, uh, namely Yohan Moncada and or Jake Berger on this roster. Um, so I would be interested. I think this might be a situation where you're Rick Hahn and you, you have this deal in place, but you want to see if you can move another piece before you actually make it. And that's potentially an off-season move too, not this trade, but uh, maybe you get Kobe Mayo True. and then you you visit third base, you revisit it in the off-season. You yeah. know, you look at, okay, now we have Moncada who, I mean, back injuries are can be problematic, so we don't know how he's going to be moving forward. He's also very expensive. We have Jake Berger who hits home runs, but there's some questions there about some of the other aspects of his game, so... It's a puzzle that I think doesn't necessarily have to be resolved now. Um, I think the White Sox are kind of in a position where they can get talent and then figure out what to do with everyone later. Yeah, I mean, is there a worry with Kobe Mayo that he is too? Because, you know, the the report on him is maybe slow that he ends up at first or left. Is that a concern for you, given the cons- like what we've seen with this White Sox core so far? I mean, I don't know too much about him defensively. Uh, I have a big really arm, huge arm. So, I mean, I can just give you a quick rundown. He's got a 70 arm tool uh, and, you know, MLB pipeline says he's got one of the best arms in the system system, if not in all of the minor leagues, he works really well for third base. And even though he moves surprisingly well for his, his size, there's concerns that he will outgrow the ability to play third. And he has to end up at first or left field when all is said and done the kind of consistent power production the Orioles think he can provide will work from any spot on the diamond. But is he a first baseman? Is he a left fielder? What is the future position? How does that affect the way the White Sox view him as well? Interesting. I would take that deal, uh, especially because I think it keeps Kendall Graveman, like we said, and it keeps Tim Anderson, two other trade pieces you can get elsewhere. So for just Giolito and Lopez, I think that's good value. All right, uh, on to my next one, and it's the guy that we just mentioned uh, real quick is a guy that we could trade individually. The Sox could move individually and I think get decent value for. Uh, Kendall Graveman is my next trade uh, traded player, and I have the White Sox sending him to the Texas Rangers, who uh, reportedly have been in the market for relief pitching. And, And, you know, Good news for the White Sox earlier today, I think, in the reliever market, just based on what Colorado got uh, in their deal for Pierce Johnson. They sent him to the Atlanta Braves for Victor Vodnik and Tanner Gordon, uh, the number 10 prospect and number 26 prospect in their system, which for a guy like Pierce Johnson, I thought was surprising value. Uh, so yeah, what it, is it, I, um, it is worth noting. I did check on this. The Braves system's bad. Um, Tanner Gordon is not, not ranked in the top 30 in the Rockies system. And uh, Victor Vodnik comes in at number 20 for the Rockies. So uh, just to compare where those two farm systems are at, it's it seemed like more than it was. It's still a pretty good return for a reliever not having a very good year, but not quite as good of a return as it seemed because the Braves uh, farm system is not very good. Yeah, so I had two targets for the White Sox. Uh, you know, I wanted to be a little bit, uh, you know, 
ambitious. Uh, Justin Foscue is a guy that really, really interests me as an infielder for them. He's the number seven prospect in the Rangers system just outside of the top 100. Do I think you get him for Kendall Graveman? No, I'd be, you know, really impressed with that deal. So I settled for the next best thing. Thomas Sadducey, the number 15 prospect in Texas's system, a 21-year-old infielder currently playing in double A with an ETA of 2024. For double A Frisco this year, he's got uh, an 885 OPS hitting 310 with 14 home runs. He's walked 33 times. Uh, he has struck out 92 times. So the swing and miss is an issue. But, uh, you know, he gets a 50 hit and a 50 power from MLB.com. Having a nice year, potentially going to, uh, you know, see a bump in the midseason when the midseason rankings come out and currently 15 in a good Ranger system. So Thomas Sadducey is the target for the White Sox that I have them getting from Kendall Graveman. Noah, who says no? Is this enough for Graveman? I think that sounds about right. Um, It's tough to tell. I feel like the reliever market fluctuates every year. It's really interesting because, you know, some years a reliever gets you uh, Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer. And then some years, you know, you feel like these relievers are being given away. So what I look at is um, the trade that the Rangers have already made uh, for a reliever. They acquired a Roldis Chapman from the Royals. A couple of weeks ago, it was an early deal, um, and they ended up giving up uh, Cole Reagans, a left-handed starter, and then uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was a rookie ball guy. So, um, Aroldis yeah, Chapman, it's a probably, rental though. It's yeah, it's a rental. He's having a better year than Kendall Graveman is. Um, he's also left-handed. Graveman's right-handed, which for relievers doesn't necessarily matter as much, but yeah. I think that something of that caliber is probably about right. If you're looking at trading Kendall Graveman on his own. Um, personally, I don't have a package where they trade Graveman on his own. So do you, uh, if that's the package for Kendall Graveman on his own, are you making that trade or would you rather the Sox hang on to him? I think it's kind of uh, the same that you felt about the Dodgers package. I would try packaging him with somebody else. I would explore some other options, basically tell the Rangers that uh, we'll come back to it. But he's the one guy they have to be flexible with. I think of like all the prominent trade names because he has the, the year of control. Like there's no, you have to take what you can get for some of these dudes. Like, there's no reason for the White Sox to not trade Reynaldo Lopez or Joe Kelly, who I'm sure we'll talk about. And, you know, some of these other relief pitchers, Kendall Graveman, there is value in trying to make sure you get, a you know, the correct compensation for him. That's what I settled on. Uh, you know, I didn't love it either, but I figured if I don't love it, it's probably a fair trade. I think if I'm, you know, enamored with a lot of these things, it's probably something that is not being offered. Yeah, what I found like when I do Twitter polls and stuff is if there's a lot of people on both sides, like if the if the Twitter poll is very even, you know, like 50% of people say the Rangers say no and 50% say the White Sox say no. That's how I know that it's probably a pretty good deal is if people on both sides hate it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's unreasonable for Graveman. Um, I would lean... If I had to lean one direction, I would probably lean towards White Sox say no, because I think they could probably do a little bit better than that somewhere else. But 
another interesting name. Another interest. Yeah, just in that Rangers system. I, you know, I don't know if he gets thrown into this deal or whatever. But another guy that I like a lot is Mark Church, uh, right-handed pitcher. He is 22 years old. He'll be 23 on opening day. He's currently pitching in Triple A uh, for Texas. He's a reliever. He's made 28 appearances this year. Kind of a long inning reliever, though. 37 innings in 28 appearances. A 3.58 ERA uh, and a very, very good fastball with movement that gets a 65 grade on MLB.com. He's their 19th prospect and potentially a guy that you trade for and pitches in your bullpen for the rest of 2023 and into next season. So he could be a, a way of the White Sox trying to get younger if he gets roped into a deal. I like that guy as well. Yeah, and the thing with relievers is they're so volatile. So that's the right approach to building a bullpen rather than spending money on it like they tried to do last time. If so. Mar- you know, I'm not saying he's going to be this, but you know, if you can find a Mark Church, a relief pitcher that, you know, comes in and is, you know, as productive as a Greg Santos or Keenan Middleton just kind of out of nowhere and he's got a lot of team control and isn't making a lot of money, that's a lot more valuable to the that to the Sox than Kendall Graveman is right now. So, uh, especially at, you know, the price tag that Graveman comes at. So, uh, I'll let you go ahead with your next one. Yeah, so I had a Rangers trade too. Uh, I'll just go ahead and go with that one. Um, for mine, I had Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly uh, together going to the Texas Rangers. Coming to the White Sox, I did have uh, Rangers number seven prospect Justin Foscue, as well as uh, their number 12 prospect right-hander Takoa Roby. Um, so I kind of felt like Foscue is a guy that I would target. He is uh, kind of the odd man out there in the Rangers system. He's a former first-round pick out of Mississippi State. He is now 24. Uh, He's in AAA having a pretty good year, but the Rangers are kind of set with their infield for a while. They've got Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, and Josh Young in the infield in Texas, and that doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon. Uh, Corey Seager actually did just get hurt, but... It sounds like Ezekiel Duran is just going to move to shortstop, and then uh, the at-bats in left field will split between Grossman or Josh Smith. So doesn't sound like Foscue is getting that opportunity, and I think he's a guy that could probably be the White Sox everyday second baseman right now, and a guy that I think Texas might be willing to part with just because they don't really have a spot for him. So what do you think? I love this trade for the White Sox. I think if you can get Justin Foscue in some form of con like trade that deals expiring contracts like Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, and you add to Koa Roby, a pitcher in there, you know, who's yeah, having, you know, not the best season, but has a lot of upside, especially with his fastball uh, into the system as well. I would sign up for it. I think the value is something the Rangers would say no to. The question is, are they inclined to move Foscue and what is being offered for him elsewhere? Like that would be the one thing that I think holds this up is do they think they can get a better starting pitcher than Lance Lynn for that prospect? If they think they can, they probably say no to this deal. I have no reservations about this if I'm Rick Hahn, though, which probably means it's lopsided in the Sox favor. So the one thing I do want to mention is uh, the White Sox will owe Lance Lynn about $6 million for the rest of the year. And I think in order to get a better prospect, they will pay most of that. Uh, And Lance Lynn also is not necessarily an expiring contract. 
He has an option next year. I don't know. An expensive option, though. Yeah, it's it's $18 million. So in order for a team to pick it up, I think he would need to go somewhere and pitch well for the rest of the season. But, I mean, some of these teams, like the Rangers, are not necessarily afraid to spend money. So if they believe that Lance Lynn is better than he's pitched this year for the White Sox, and according to some reports, there are teams that believe that, then maybe they don't see this as a one-year rental. Maybe they look, see this as a year and a half of control. Oh, look, this guy, Justin Foscue is going to get traded. Like, he's the Lance Lynn of, or uh, sorry, the Lucas Giolito of the prospect part of this deadline. Like, he's tearing up AAA. He's just been nothing but solid since he entered the, you know, the system. He was a first-round pick, 14th overall pick in 2020. Like, but he plays second base, third base with Marcus Simeon and Josh Young on the team. And he's 24 years old already. Like time is up. He's going to be 25 on opening day next year, either play him or move him. If you're Texas, you want to make sure like you're not keeping him in the minors till he's a 26 year old and then trying to get something for him or trying to play him. Like, I think they do this move now. I just think the question for them is how do they maximize a good prospect being expendable uh, and make sure that they can, you know, get the starting pitcher they need. Is it Lance Lynn? I hope so. I would love if the White Sox acquired Justin Foscue. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that I've circled. Um, I don't know necessarily what that deal would look like on the White Sox end, but he is a guy that I have circled as someone I am very interested in at this deadline. And he fits that mold of He's major league ready. He probably comes up for the rest of the season and you're looking at penciling him into the opening day lineup for next year. So for if the White Sox are looking to contend next year, um, these are the kind of guys that they need to go after. Well, I will go ahead and kind of fall in suit with you uh, because I'm going to go with a Lance Lynn trade as well. I'm targeting an old prospect as well. And I'm targeting a guy that I think is going to have a hard time getting consistent playing time at the big league level. So I am going to trade Lance Lynn to the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for Dominic Canzone, the number 19 prospect in the Diamondbacks system. Uh, He is a 25-year-old, yeah, 25-year-old prospect. Uh, He will actually be 26 here pretty soon. And... This was his big breakout season, a 1065, 1065 OPS and a 354 average on 16 home runs for AAA Reno this season, has gotten called up and played in nine games for the Diamondbacks, so he is plug and play ready. Uh, He's an outfield slash first baseman, but I think if the White Sox trade for him, he's your right fielder, Uh, you know, and... Whatever you do with Oscar Colas, you do with Oscar Colas, but I want Dominic Canzone coming back to the White Sox in exchange for Lance Lynn. I think from a value standpoint, that's fair. I think that's reasonable. I'm not sure that's the kind of trade the White Sox are interested in making. I I just genuinely don't think they're looking to block Oscar Colas. I mean, outfielders... I kind of said this before, you know, they should just get talent and figure it out later. But I mean, you have Andrew Benintendi with four more years of control after this. You have Luis Robert, who's locked in and the best player on the team. And then you have Oscar Colas, who is finally getting at bats every day in the major leagues. And the we know the White Sox organization thinks highly of Oscar Colas. So I'm just not sure that an outfielder is what they should 
target because it kind of sounds like the outfield is set. Um, and obviously, I don't think you can afford still... to think that. I, like, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you in their mindset. I just don't think you can afford to think that way. Like, Oscar Colas hasn't showed me personally anything to believe he can be the White Sox right fielder of the future. He's been solid at AAA. So as a lot of guys that have never really panned out at the major league level, like, and it's possible that he's just not cut out for it. And so it, you know, I was hoping that the second stint of Oscar Colas in the big leagues would be the thing that I was like, okay, you've got the guy right now. If I'm the white Sox, I'm acquiring talent and I am planning on whether it's Dominic Canzone or Oscar Colas or a combination of the, both of them, we need a right fielder in 2024, Let's go get a guy. Uh, so that's my thought process. I think that's what Rick Hahn's process should be. I don't necessarily disagree with you, though. I think that's why the White Sox are the White Sox. That they, and it's honestly why they've ended up where they are. Rick Hahn has sat on his hands and said, well, we really like Romy Gonzalez and Oscar Colas this year just to watch them stink and the team go down with them. But will they change that philosophy? I don't know. Yeah, I just, I'm not saying don't trade for an outfielder by any means. I don't think there should be any position that they say we won't acquire this position because we already have it. I just think they should prioritize other positions that are more of question marks. Starting pitching, catchers, infielders, I think are bigger question marks when it comes to the White Sox future. So I just think that should be the priority. Uh, I'm not. Was this a White Sox say no for you? This is a White Sox probably say yes, but if I were the White Sox, I'm probably saying no. I disagree. That's interesting. Okay. You know, teach their own, but I would be, I, I would, I'd drive Lance Linda, Arizona, if I could get Dominic Canzone for him. So uh, I will go ahead and go with my trade to the Diamondbacks because I did have one as well. Um, so in my situation, uh, I have Kendall Graveman and Keenan Middleton. Uh, a pair of relievers, Arizona's mm. bullpen in particular has been bad uh, the last few weeks. They've been struggling since the break, and it's largely be- been because of their bullpen. So I have Graveman and Middleton to the Diamondbacks. Um, I have left-handed pitcher Blake Walston uh, and third baseman Ruben Santana as the return for the White Sox. Walston, the number five prospect for Arizona, uh, Santana. I don't remember exactly where he is, but he's, he's 16 a, in the diamondback system as an 18 year old third baseman. Yeah. He is a, he's a rookie ball guy. So that would be more of a lottery ticket, but um, that is the return I have for Graveman who, like we said, has a year and a half of control uh, and then Keenan Middleton as well. So who do you think says no to that one? Uh, probably Arizona. Um, how many times have you traded Kendall Graveman so far? Uh, that's just my second one. Do you have any more Kendall Graveman trades? No. Um, you know, I, I think this is a diamondback say no. I don't think this is unrealistic too bad. Uh, but you know, it is an 18 year old with a lot of upside in Ruben Santana, uh, an, an international signing by them just last year that has, you know, a lot of big, big tools, 50 well, hit the, tool, the thing 55. Is, if you look at the Diamondback system, they have five or six guys that I think are in that same category as Ruben Santana. So 
Yeah, how many of them are in the same like timeline though? I mean, Ruben Santana is eighteen, so I I think he's in that next wave of potential prospects where guys like Jordan Lawler and De Los Santos and you know Ivan Melendez are a little bit closer to big league ready. Yeah, so my thinking was just you know take one of those lottery tickets, take your pick. It's not necessarily Santana, but. My thought was uh, a starting pitching prospect like Blake Walston and then throw in uh, a rookie ball lottery ticket kind of guy. And I, I chose Santana for the sake of the exercise, but um, you could honestly sub him out for any of those other guys, and I, I'd probably still do yeah. it. These relievers are just so hard, man. Like, these are so hard for me because I don't know – I would have said no to this trade. Like, I would have told you Arizona says no to this wholeheartedly yesterday. The only thing that keeps me in it is seeing what the reliever market has produced so far, which makes me feel like a guy with two years of control like Graveman and Middleton together I, I makes me feel a little bit better about this being a possibility. I just think this is a really good system, this Diamondback system, and a guy that's, you know, top five in Blake Walston, a lefty starter. I just don't know if they view him as somebody that's expendable for relief pitching right now. So I, I will say yeah. the Diamondbacks say no, uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm the fool here. That, I mean, you could very well be right, and this could be too much for a couple of relievers, but... Again, this is these are the kind of trades that if I'm Rickon, I'm I'm yeah, no, asking hey, about at least. I want you to take like let's take some shots here. I'm taking a shot right now. We talked about this on the podcast yesterday. I'm getting weird. What did you trade earlier? You traded for a third baseman. You traded for Kobe Mayo and yeah. uh got your guy. I said it would require another deal to be made. So let's say the White Sox do that deal. I'm trading Burgatron. Uh, my guy, Jake Berger, with Keenan Middleton. Jake Berger and Keenan Middleton, a third baseman, a big bat, and a relief pitcher, go to the Miami Marlins. I pointed them out as my favorite fit if Jake Berger is to get traded uh, last week. And the return, I have infielder Marco Vargas, the 18th prospect in the Diamondback system, an 18-year-old. Uh, who is in rookie ball right now, that would be kind of a, a long shot that the White Sox take a chance on, and they get their big league ready pitcher and left-handed pitcher Braxton Garrett. Jake Berger and Keenan Middleton for Braxton Garrett and Marco Vargas. Noah, thoughts? My thoughts are my next trade is Jake Berger to the Marlins for left-handed pitcher Braxton Garrett. So, uh, People yeah. might... People <laughs> might... like. People might laugh at this trade because I think you see Jake Berger for Braxton Garrett. Braxton Garrett, obviously highly thought of pitching prospect right now. Good lefty. You're like, no way you get that for him. I tell you that Jake Berger has 21 home runs, has a career 772 OPS and 110 OPS plus, an above average bat, uh, big pop that can insert right into a, a Marlins lineup that already has some pop and has a gaping hole at third base. You throw the relief pitcher in there as well on the expiring deal of Middleton. And 
he's under team control. Jake Berger is through what? 2028, 2027. Like he's got a lot of years under his contract. I love Jake Berger. I would love for him to be here, but as you kind of start to reshuffle this deck, I think if you can find value in a pitcher like Braxton Garrett, this is something that you have to do if you're the White Sox. And I think it makes sense for Miami. They are absolutely loaded at pitcher, both at the big league level and on the prospect front. Four of three of their top four prospects, Max Meyer, Dax Fulton, Jake Eater, pitcher, pitcher, pitcher with ETAs in 2024. That's on top of Sandy Alcantara. That's on top of Yuri Perez. That's on top of, you know, all of these guys that they have pitching in their rotation right now. If they can fill a hole by getting rid of, uh, by, you know, letting go of Braxton Garrett. I think it makes sense for them. And the only thing that could mess this up is Jacob Berry, the third baseman that, you know, is their number two prospect, but he's having a down year right now in high A with a what, sub seven OP sub 700 OPS. So go get Jake Berger and give the White Sox the starting pitcher they need. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And that is why I too had that trade. Um, so this is a deal. This is a I handshake deal or... I personally would – I think it makes sense for both teams. I really do. I think the Marlins, they've been scuffling a little bit. They're not hitting the ball as well as they need to be uh, if they actually want to be a playoff team this year. Jake Berger's not going to hit for average. He's not going to get on base a ton, but he'll give them some pop that they desperately need. And, and it's not Sox just for this year to me. It's not just for this year, though. Like like I said, Jake Berger has control. And as you look at the future of the Marlins, they have a lot of pieces in place moving forward. And Berger slides right into kind of the core that they have. You can go into next season with Garrett Cooper and Luis Arise and Jake Berger and, you know, you, Jazz Chisholm and Brian De La Cruz. And, you know, you start to have, a you know, some semblance of an offense you still have the starting rotation that's built out with Cabrera and Alcantara and Luzardo. And, uh, you know, you're a couple free agent signings away from being a legitimate contender. And I don't think it, it doesn't at all gut your farm system. So like, this is, this makes sense to me. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense from the White Sox perspective too. Uh, we've talked this, talked about this before, but you've got two starters under contract for next year no left-handed pitching and Braxton Garrett is a lefty. He's got several more years of team control. He has pitched in the major leagues for most of the season, but he's pretty young. His results have kind of been mixed. I actually think his ERA is over four now after he kind of got hit around in his last start. But I mean, it's the kind of trade that I think makes a ton of sense for both teams. And that's probably why it won't happen. But Braxton Garrett, I'm on board. Literally, Braxton Garrett has made 45 career starts. He he pitched in the majors in 2020, and he's pitched, uh, you know, last year had a 3.58 ERA in 88 innings, 100 innings this year with a 4.32. And even with all that experience, he doesn't hit arbitration till 2026. Like at 25 years old, he's about to turn 26 years old. This is a, a White Sox team that's still trying to like do this thing and contend. They don't have any left-handed pitching. So if you're not trading Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech and you're able to get a guy like Braxton Garrett and slide him into that rotation, I think that looks really, really good. I uh, I can't believe I'm at this point that I'm like salivating over a trade that involves my guy, Jake Berger. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do if Braxton Garrett's involved. 
Yeah, I'm on board 100%. If the Marlins are interested, I think that you get that deal done if you're Rick Hahn. You think the Marlins will take Lance Lynn for Braxton Garrett? Because I don't want – I'm kidding, but I, I don't want to trade Jake Berger, man. I did see this trade. I did see a trade that had Yoan Moncada going to Miami, uh, and that would be shocking to me. But, you know, I would drive him to the airport. How about this one? Miami Marlins get third baseman Yoan Moncada. The White Sox get right fielder Avisail Garcia and right-handed pitcher Max Meyer. This from Bleacher Report earlier today. Uh, can can we drive Moncada to South Beach? Can we? Yeah, can we give I, him I a whoever, hug and whoever wrote that was uh, at the bar before they decided to write that. Oh, no, I I'm it's, well it's... aware, but I am <laughs> in love with the idea of the White Sox getting Max Meyer, getting Yoan out of town, Jake Burgers, the third baseman. Fire me up. We get an Avi. Re- reunion which will be hilarious for the rest of this season i want that to happen i need avisail garcia for the rest of 2023 just to make me laugh the funny thing is like the Sox have had a gaping hole in right field since they let garcia go so it would be very fitting if they ended up just bringing him back and that was their answer in right field (laughs) yeah all right, uh, let me give you my last two real quick, and then I'll let you round out your list. Uh, th- these are quick one-for-ones. I was trying not to overthink these very much. Uh, I was trying to find a trade partner for Tim Anderson, and for a while I said, I don't know if I can see one because I did not have him going in the deal with the Dodgers. And then I started thinking, what team is a sneaky contender that could offer the White Sox some uh, high upside prospect and needs a second baseman, not a shortstop, but a second baseman. And I'm sending TA to the San Francisco Giants, uh, which would be a, a fun fit, I think. And John Morosi was on MLB Network earlier today and mentioned the Giants as a team that was pursuing Anderson. I have the return, Wade Meckler, an outfielder, the number 28 prospect in the Giants system. He is 23 years old, uh, 5'10", 178, a small guy, but he is hitting 386 this season between high A and double A, uh, even though his numbers have kind of dipped a little bit at double A. Not, not a ton of pop in the bat, but uh, 386, great bat-to-ball skills, uh, and potentially a guy who could be a future big leaguer for the Sox as a fourth outfielder, whatever, replacement. Wade Meckler for Tim Anderson, who says no. Tim Anderson's a tough case for me because I don't think I'm not sure that you trade Tim Anderson just to trade Tim Anderson. I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but the shortstops in the the shortstops in the offseason are not good. You don't really have a shortstop lined up. Colson Montgomery may be up by the end of the year next year, but I don't think he's you're looking at opening day for him. So, I mean, if the White Sox are truly thinking that they want to contend next season, their best bet might be picking up the option on Tim Anderson and hoping that he bounces back. Dude, um, what he is doing right now is evil. Like, it, it is, it, it's sick because everybody, including you and me, and I'm sure Rick Hahn was out on Tim Anderson two weeks ago. Like, we were all the way, trade him, we're ready to get this over with. And I'm still worried because the pop just isn't there. 
But what TA has done since the All-Star break has looked like vintage 320 average TA. I mean, it's looked like the guy with the better approach that goes to right center field that can have two, three hit nights on a daily basis. And that's the guy that you're willing to pay $14 million next season and, and that you want as your shortstop. The the locker room implications, I don't know. Like, is TA good for the White Sox clubhouse right now i'm not sure but he certainly muddied the waters and made this a little bit difficult with his little hot streak that he's been on and that's the question that you have to ask yourself really is is the last week of tim anderson building his value for a trade is this building a better return for the white Sox in a trade or is this building the White Sox confidence that they can pick up his option for next season and that he'll be back to the Tim Anderson that we know. So it's I the think, question. I think it's a really tough situation. Look, it's the question um, Rick Hans asking, and it's the question all these suitors are asking because you're trying to figure out if you're giving up one of your, you know, better prospects for Tim Anderson, not knowing what he's going to be for the last two months of the season, which is also a very difficult spot to be in. So I guess the answer to who says no, I think, is the White Sox in that situation. Um, I just don't think it's worth trading Tim Anderson for a really small return. I think I think you've got two options, really. You trade Tim Anderson for someone who's willing to believe that he is the Tim Anderson of years past, and they give you a pretty good return for him, or you keep him, and you pick up his option and you hope that he bounces back. And maybe if you're not competitive next year, like you thought you were going to be, then you trade him at the deadline next year. But I don't, I don't think I would trade Tim Anderson for a return like that. However, the giants, um, I do want to mention the giants because the giants have an interesting problem on their hands that I think the white Sox could be an answer to. uh, And that is a catcher problem. The giants have Joey Bart, who was the number, what, number two, number three overall pick and you went a few years two. ago. And he doesn't have a spot because Patrick Bailey has come up and played very, very well. And Blake Sable has been very, very pretty good for the Giants. And Joey Bart has struggled in his major league time so far. So the Giants have three catchers. Really, you're not going to keep three catchers on your roster. Most teams don't, unless you're the White Sox. Um and they don't really have anywhere to play Joey Bart. I think chances are he would be the one out of that group that they would move. So the White Sox who kind of have a question mark at catcher after this season, maybe Joey Bart is a guy that they target. So I don't think interesting giants fit there. Yeah. I mean, he struggled, he struggled in triple a this year. Like Joey Bart is, you know, value on him has never been lower, but, you know, maybe he's a guy that you just kind of get dumped to you for even, I mean, it doesn't even have to be one of your better guys. I mean, you can, I don't know if the giants have interest in Aaron bummer, but like you, maybe you give them a guy that they believe they can fix as a relief pitcher. They, uh, you know, get some value. Maybe it's Keenan Middleton. Maybe it's, you know, one of Joe Kelly, one of your relievers, and you try and get a guy in Joey Bart and the white Sox take a shot. Uh, My last trade here before I let you finish out, uh, I have the White Sox sending Joe Kelly to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I see this fit. I I can see him in the Braves hat. I think it'd be fun to watch Joe Kelly in the playoffs again. And I mentioned earlier, 
uh, that the Rockies got Victor Vodnik, the number 10 prospect and the number 26 prospect in the Brave system for uh, Pierce Johnson. Uh, weirdly enough, I do have the White Sox only getting the number 10 prospect. Uh, so maybe that's not enough, but it's Adam Meyer, a 21 year old who has a 60 grade slider. Uh, kind of an interesting guy who played at the University of Columbia as a two-way player, has yet to make his pro debut, but has a lot of, uh, you know, desirable traits. He's still down in rookie ball in the FCL for Atlanta. So maybe the White Sox take a shot on a high upside arm in exchange for Joe Kelly at the deadline. Yeah, and if it's Joe Kelly by itself, I mean, it's a rental relief pitcher, so it's probably not going to be more than one or two players and chances are they're not going to be a super highly touted prospect. So I don't know much about the kid. I I've never heard about him until you just mentioned him. So I, I can't tell you where the value is there, but that's the kind of return you'd be looking at with trading uh, Joe Kelly or another one of the relievers by themselves. So, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that trade. All right. Well, Noah, finish it out here. Give me however many trades you got, if it's one or two more. Um, and uh, let's see let's see what I think here. I have one more trade, uh, and it's a bit of a doozy. And I saved this one for the end on purpose. Oh, boy. So let, let me preface this by saying I do not think that this is going to happen. I, I don't think that the White Sox are going you're to trade doing, this guy. If, if you're doing the Dylan Cease-Luis Robert trade, hang up and hang up and listen. No, Luis Roberts not involved, but I did want to, on the off chance that the White Sox do decide to trade Dylan Cease, I did want to throw a potential trade package out there. Uh, and a team that I think lines up very, very well for Dylan Cease is the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, uh, there was a report uh, earlier that the Reds are looking for controllable young starting pitching. They're fun. They've got all their prospects up, and they are just starting their uh, window here. And so if if the Reds are looking for pitching, I think Dylan Cease could be a guy that they've asked about. So uh, here's what I have, uh, and you can tell me if this is ridiculous or not, but Dylan Cease to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, to the White Sox, I have Jonathan India, as well as uh, shortstop Noel V. Marte, the Reds' number one prospect. Right-handed pitcher Chase Petty, who is their number five prospect, uh, and outfielder Hector Rodriguez, who I believe is like number 22 uh, on the Reds' top 30. But I think uh, I think Jonathan India immediately is the White Sox second Say baseman. that again. Say it again. It's India, Marte, who? Chase Petty and Hector Rodriguez. So that is the package I came up with. India, immediately the White Sox second baseman. Noel V. Marte, obviously the Reds' number one prospect. Uh, you find a spot for him. Uh, Chase Petty, right-handed pitcher. The White Sox liked him out of the draft a couple of years ago. Um, I remember hearing that, and you know Rick Hahn always gets his guy. He's also having a pretty good year in high A, is Chase Petty. Uh, and then Hector Rodriguez is uh, farther back in the Reds' system. I believe he's one of those 18-, 19-year-old rookie ball uh, lottery ticket guys. So... Um, that's what I was thinking as far as a Dylan Cease trade is concerned. Again, I don't think the White Sox uh, are going to move him, but if the Reds come calling with a package like that, do you take it? Yes. Uh, I think it's way too much, to be honest with you. Uh, Noel V. Marte, Chase Petty, and Jonathan Indy off the Major League team, 
that feels like a lot for Dylan Cease to me. Well, Dylan Cease is going to cost a lot. It's two. Oh, and a half I, I know. I know he will. I just starting why, pitcher. Why would a team like the Reds give up Jonathan India with where they're at as a franchise right now? Because they don't really have a spot for him. Because they have Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McLean, Spencer Steer, and Christian Encarnacion Strand in the infield, and they all want to play. And the Reds LB actually, Martin. there was a report earlier today that said the Reds are willing to move Jonathan India in a trade for a young starting pitcher, controllable starting pitcher, I believe is how they phrased it. I mean, if that's the deal, I'm I'm in. Like, yeah, I'm in. I don't know how you say no to that type of package when you talk about Noel V. Marte, the number 16 prospect in baseball with, uh, you know, I don't know if Jonathan India is great, but he's at least a, a major league second baseman, a very solid player that I think has does a lot of the things the White Sox need, brings a lot of good energy uh, to the baseball field every day. And yeah, he. I think the one thing that I think you're misreading, I think Chase Petty is very, very, very good. I mean, he's got a 174 and 11 starts in high A ball. And this kid's going to be a riser. And I I don't know. I think he's somebody who is also going to be in that top 100. You might have to take that deal if you're the Sox. That's, you might have just done something. I don't know, man. I would ask for Christian Encarnacion Strand, but I don't know if that could happen. So Chase Petty is very good. And I, I think that's why the White Sox target him. That's one of the reasons. But what I compare this to is the Jose Quintana trade because when the White Sox traded Jose Quintana to the Cubs, he had two and a half years of control. It was just like Dylan Cease, but Dylan Cease, he's had a the better teacher. Yeah. He's better than Jose Quintana ever was. So, I mean, if you're looking at that Quintana trade, you're talking about two guys that were definitely top 100 prospects in that return. And if you're talking about a guy like Dylan Cease, who's better than Jose Quintana, I mean, you're talking about a step up from that. So you get a a major leaguer that doesn't really have a spot on the Reds roster. And then you get two top 100 prospects in Marte and Chase Petty. And then you throw in a lottery ticket guy. I I think the return, I don't think it's unreasonable for either side. Um, The White Sox would be in a situation where they would have to do something about their rotation next year. Year because if you're trading Dylan Cease, now you're looking at one starting pitcher under contract next year, and that's Kopech, who's, you know, there's some questions about how durable and how reliable he is. So I think the White Sox would have to seriously invest in some starting pitching this winter and free agency. But if an offer like that is on the table, I mean, it might be too tempting to pass up if you're Rick Hahn. Yeah, I I think, you know, this has taken me a bit to like sit with this and figure out how I feel. But I think where I sit is similar to where you were on one of my on really my Tim Anderson trade. Like, I think this value matches up and I think it makes sense. Like where the Reds are, what they'd be willing to give up for a guy like Dylan Cease. I really think it makes sense for Cincinnati. So I could see that. 
I just I don't know if it the timelines of this trade versus where you'd be without Dylan Cease don't really match up for me. Assuming you're trading Lucas Giolito and not extending Lucas Giolito. If you trade Dylan Cease, I think you have officially entered full rebuild mode. And if you've entered full rebuild mode, why do you need Jonathan India? So like I there I think there's some inconsistencies there where you could trade Dylan Cease, but then, you know, part of the thing that I was trying to do in a lot of these deals, and I think the White Sox are trying to do, is get young and get some future, but not take yourself out of contention in 2024. I think if Dylan Cease has moved, you've done that. Like, you've already ripped yourself out of contention. And then, you know, is it a waste to acquire a guy like India who's going to be in the major league team just rotting on another bad team? Uh, Like... You have to have some starting pitchers. I I have a hard time seeing the timelines matching up for this trade. There could be some truth to that, but I don't necessarily think that removing Dylan Cease from the rotation is the difference between this team's contending and this team sucks. I mean, regardless, with Dylan Cease or with no Dylan Cease, the White Sox are going to have to address their starting rotation. And that's, I mean, they just have to because they just don't have the arms just, on their. I mean, right it's now. ten times easier when you have the number one, <laughs> like, yeah. I, or or even number two if you want to say Cease is a good two. When you have a number two starter locked into place, it becomes a lot easier to fill out the other spots without Dylan Cease and without the future that he has. Like, eh, Chase Petty's not even a guy that's close to the big leagues. Like, you have nothing. And so I don't, I don't know if I can see that happening. Uh, I I agree with you there. Uh, I mean, I started by saying I don't think that this will happen. Yeah, I, really, I, I think really I think the think... the compensation is close. Uh, I think it'd be a steep. My initial reaction was it was too steep, but I, you know I think I could see where the value is in that for Cincinnati. Yeah, I I really don't think it's going to happen. Honestly, I am of the opinion that. If the White Sox are serious about contending next year, they should extend Lucas Giolito and they should trade Dylan Cease. Not that Dylan Cease isn't going to help him next year, but that, I mean, the guy has I tremendous think value. I think, I think moving him helps the future. It helps reopen the contention window more than moving a guy like Giolito who's going to get you, you know, uh, whatever eight, nine starts of him gets you is. So, yeah, I think you can get a splash for Giolito or for Cease. That is a good prospect splash that's also close to big league ready and immediately inserts into your lineup. Uh, I don't know if you can do the same thing for Giolito. Like, I I had this written down because I think it's interesting what team the White Sox should try and trade with. I think if they're going for MLB ready arms, there's some fits in Miami. There's some fits in Cincinnati. There's obviously the Dodgers. Uh, some of the best developed prospects are probably the Dodgers just in terms of like, trusting that those guys will hit and be solid big leaguers. But the hitting in Baltimore is hard to ignore uh, with all the guys that they've called up. Um, and you, Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg, you, Kobe Mayo, we mentioned, Heston Schierstad, Joey Ortiz. Like, that doesn't even include the number one prospect in baseball, Jackson Holiday. They're very, very rich with the position players. And so is there a world where Dylan Cease nets you Westberg and Kowser, two guys that are great young players that can play for you in 2024 
and an extension to Lucas Giolito keeps your starting rotation somewhat intact. I agree with you. I think that makes more sense, but I think that has come and gone at this point. Yeah, I don't think it's happening, but um, I think that's the kind of trade that if the White Sox are really looking to retool, if they're really looking to put themselves in a better position to win in the future, and that's the kind of trade because we kind of talked about it earlier, but they're a little bit handicapped. You know, their best players to trade are they're not going to move them because, you know, they don't want a full rebuild. But the guys that they can move, the guys that they should move if they're even retooling, aren't super valuable. So they're just, they're in a really, really tough situation. Rick Hahn and front office are going to need to get really creative here. Um, and uh, in about eight days, we'll be able to stop speculating and we'll be able to see what they did. So um, hopefully we can revisit with some some new names on the team that we're pretty excited about soon. Yeah, I do want to get this out of the way because I saw this uh, rumor also mentioned, which is the Dylan Cease to Houston rumors that they have their eyes on him. Uh, it can't happen. Houston doesn't have enough. Uh, the package that I like. I think the starting ask, if I'm the White Sox for Dylan Cease and the Astros are calling, it starts with Hunter Brown, Chaz McCormick, and Drew Gilbert. That is a young starting pitcher that's 24 years old, pitching well in the big leagues right now, and inserts into the White Sox rotation with control. That's Chaz McCormick, who becomes their everyday right fielder, uh, is a 28-year-old having a very good year, but still has a lot of team control on him as well. And then their number one prospect and a 22-year-old outfielder having a pretty good season uh, in double A. So I think that's the starting price, but it's a really bad farm system and there's nothing much beyond that. So uh, do you think there's any way Houston acquires Dylan Cease from the Sox? Probably not. Uh, Houston's one of the few teams that has a worse farm system than the White Sox. So I just, I don't see a way that Houston makes the best offer for Dylan Cease. They may try and they may offer some of those players, but I think that, other teams could and would make a better offer if Dylan Cease were truly available. And I also want to comment, whoever this Astros fan is that... You know who tweeted, he is. Tweeted you can say his name. You, you, you know who he is. You can say his name. I, I do know who he is. I don't need him up in my mentions or anything. But the, the guy that tweeted out that Sources are telling him that the Astros are pursuing a mega trade that includes Dylan Cease and Luis Robert and that nothing's close, but there's momentum. And the fact that Houston media ran with this, they were talking about it on sports radio in Houston the next day after this rumor came out. They were actually having a conversation about a potential Dylan Cease and Luis Robert to the Astros trade. I It just... Like, do you have nothing else to talk about on Houston sports radio? Like, how can any reasonable sports fan, and I I get being biased towards your team, but how can any reasonable sports fan look at the Astros farm system, look at Dylan Cease and Luis Robert, the, the careers that they've had, and say, yes, this is a great matchup. I could see this happening right now. Like you want to know what it'll, it would cost, and I don't even know if this is enough, but I this is what it costs. It's... Uh, it's those guys I mentioned. It's Chaz McCormick. It's Hunter Brown. It's also Jeremy Pena. It's also Drew Gilbert. It's also Corey Lee, their number five prospect to catcher, and probably Colin Barber, their number three prospect and outfielder as well. So you're talking three of their top five prospects and three young major league talent 
two, three young major league talents, I think would be the ask from the White Sox uh, to even consider trading Luis Robert and Dylan Cease in a package. And like I said, that might not be enough. Like there's yeah, not enough star power. I don't even there. know that I would do it for that if I'm the White Sox. Like I might need more than that. <laughs> like I just, I just, I don't see any way in the world that that happens. I don't, I don't even think the Astros have enough for Cease on his own, let alone Cease and Robert. It's just, it's yeah. a ridiculous trade idea. And the fact that it got so much attention and actually got a lot of people to talk about it and speculate about it, I think is, it's just, it's sad, really. It's sad. You know what, though? I mean, this is trade deadline season, though. Like, this is what it is. Uh, we just have to take it for what it is and know that there's going to be a bunch of idiots out there. And maybe we're those idiots on this podcast and people are going to say the same thing about some of our trade proposals. We won't know until a week from now. Uh, but these things are going to go down soon. Noah, last question, put you on the spot here. The 2023 trade deadline will be a success for the Chicago White Sox if dot, dot, dot. This is, this is a really loaded question. I'm not sure. I can go first. <laughs> go, go ahead. I need a minute to think the about it. The deadline will be a success if the White Sox give me a team in 2024 that is young, exciting, and has fresh faces on it. I don't mean young and exciting by Lenin Sosa and Oscar Colas and Carlos Perez and Jonathan Cannon and the BS farm system that we have. Uh, I'd like to see some fresh faces, some new guys to root for, get some new blood in this organization and actually feel like we got good value uh, for some of these players. So if if they can set themselves up to head into 2024 with a team that, you know, isn't going to be division favorites, but that I think can be young and fun and has long-term upside, this deadline will be a success. I'll, I'll keep mine a little bit more simple than that. Uh, I think the 2023 White Sox trade deadline will be a success if the White Sox give me reason to believe in 2024. And I know that I will probably believe whether they give me reason to or not, because that's what I do. I go into the season, I get excited about baseball coming back, and I convince myself that the White Sox are going to be better than they actually are. But I would like to not sit here the entire offseason saying, you know, they keep saying that they're improved, but I don't really see it. I don't really see it. I would like to go into 2024 saying, I think the White Sox will be better because of some of the moves that they've made. And that starts at the deadline. Uh I think a little luxury that, you know, is not included in my needs to happen, but I'd like to happen. Give me some fun players to watch in the second half. I'd like to actually watch White Sox games in care a little bit. Uh, and if you get a couple of these young pieces that are MLB ready, it will be uh, pretty fun to watch them play in the White Sox uniform. And who knows who that, you know, those guys might be. Uh, we will hopefully maybe know a lot of information the next time we speak and record a podcast. The deadline is August 1st, I believe a week from now, we will be recording right at the end of July. So it's right around the corner and, uh, these deals could happen any day, any hour, uh, as this hot stove season heats up. That's all we've got today. Until next time, keep putting crooked numbers up on that board. Let Rick cook, I guess, question mark. We'll see you next time.